welcome to Curiosity Kill the Cat. I'm your host, Sarah, and today we are on a hero's journey. It is the beginning. We have multiple heroes coming up here to talk about. It's going to be an ever-expanding series, and I thought it'd be a good idea to just do one at a time, you know, like 30 minutes each, give myself a nice cap. Speaking of cap, we're getting to Captain America, too. Um... But yeah, this way I can kind of just let you know what I think is curious about these people in terms of, uh, you know, when it comes to being a hero, why do these people fit this uh, really vague kind of mold that um, we've seen put out in movies and in stories throughout time? Um, we have anti-heroes, mega-heroes, little heroes, small, big, everything, um, heroes born with abilities, heroes born with, or, you know, who have no abilities, who come into certain powers via a spider bite or falling down a well and having, you know, their rich mom and dad die. Well, okay, well, well, Bruce Wayne, who I'm talking about here, definitely was not born with superpowers. He definitely didn't really end up with superpowers. He kind of just trained himself and accumulated all these things because he had access to them. So anyways, I don't even know what, what am I talking about? Um, I will be talking about Bruce Wayne, aka Batman at some point, cause he's my favorite superhero in terms of like comics, you know, big comic booky action movies like that. Um, you know, Batman's my man. But the the guy that got me all jazzed up for this was Captain America. So he's coming up. Django's coming up. Sarah Connor's coming up. But today, today, winter is coming in the form of Lord Eddard Stark, Ned Stark, dead Ned. Love him. He is, uh, you know, one of the first characters that I connected with in the book. He is the third chapter. We get, you know, some Night's Watch guys getting eaten by some White Walkers in the the um, beginning there. Then we have Bran and we have Cat. Cat is really interesting when it comes to like trying to like relate with her because you can, but it's hard because she's she's hard. You know, she has a heart of stone. That's for all the Lady Stoneheart fans out there. So, anyways, this is all about Ned. Um, He's, yeah, the third chapter in the book. He's, you know, the first person we really see besides the Night's Watch people um, after that whole scene. And um, what's great about him is we see him through Bran's eyes first. And so you're getting this, like, (laughs) triple hero filter because you're seeing this little uh, young son, you know, watching his father do this like pretty crazy warden of the north lord thing um you know he passes sentence he passes the sword so we see him through this really incredible filter right off the bat and um it's amazing he is a hero to his kids he's a hero to catelyn no matter what sort of wedge the whole uh bastard uh, quotes baby put between him and Catelyn. They had a pretty cool marriage and, um, you know, he just, uh, didn't deserve to go the way he went. He deserved a 
really cool death, like fighting a polar bear or like some zombie dire wolf, like beyond the wall with the Night's Watch, with like Uncle Benjamin. You know, it could have been something. I mean, just imagine what Ned would be up to right now beyond the wall. Everything would be different. Everything would be different. Well, anyways, um, let's get into this hero's journey. Let's get into Ned Stark, this beloved freaking noble-ass character that uh, if you don't like Ned, you're a Cersei. And do you really want to be a drunk-ass, bitch-ass Karen Cersei? I don't think so. Not in 2020. It's not cool, not fashionable, and definitely not stylish. So here we go. Lord Eddard Stark is the second son to Lord Rickon Stark. He is the Warden of the North, ruler of Winterfell, and um, yes, again, he had uh, multiple sons. Ned is the second one, and Ned's older brother, Brandon, was actually promised to Catelyn, and he was set to rule Winterfell, be lord of the castle, and Ned was going to be the second son to a pretty prominent uh, lord up in the north. Uh, things changed when the Mad King decided to summon Lord Rickon Stark and Brandon down to King's Landing, and he, like, burned them to death. Not just, like, mostly to death, all the way, okay? All the way May here. He wasn't, um pussyfooting around anything the mad king uh it was actually pretty atrocious there was some sort of like uh i don't know some type of like noose rope rig thing that they had going on so it's like papa stark was like in this cage burning on fire and then there's there was like this rope attached to brendan's neck so every time he struggled and tried to save his father um it would just oh my god yeah it would just yeah so they both died right so now you're ned okay you've been chilling in the errand with your best friend Bobby for a few years, you know, you've got a cool little sister, you've got a younger brother, and now mom, you know, well, we don't know what happened to Mama Stark. Nobody cares to talk about her or ever bring her up. So I guess I'll just fall in line and do the same. Sorry, Mama Stark. Going back to Papa and back to Big Brother. So they're gone. Ned inherits all of this JFK style he is now warden of probably the biggest chunk of land in Westeros. It's the north, but still it's a lot. And um, yeah, now he has to marry his brother's wife, which is fine. Him and Catelyn have a pretty cool, pretty chill, uh, progressive relationship for a couple in this made up medieval fucking time. Um, however, what makes Ned the hero that he is, is that um, as stoic, honorable, as uh, much as he, you know, picked himself up and rose to the occasion when his dad and his brother died, um, I'd imagine for him, he got like a sense of himself taken away. Like as the second son, he probably would have married some other northern woman, you know, and just sort of probably would have been left alone for the most part. I don't. I would imagine. And then now he's got. He has to 
do all of these things to become the man he's supposed to be. It's a lot of pressure and you know, I'll cry, I'll cry a few tears for the guy. Um, I'll cry multiple tears because, um, how do we, now we have to transition into Heron Hall, the rebellion of Robert, Robert's rebellion, uh, the tower of joy, all of these like just swirly whirly just like black holes that you could dive into and just never come out. I've dived into many of them, never fucking come out. Come back out. Um this is John, Leona, Rhaegar, all that stuff. Woo! Get into that another different another time, a different reality. Uh a, a whole nother planet is 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 where Rhaegar and fucking Leona lore belong. And I'm going to stick with Ned here because Ned became an even bigger hero the moment that his sister uh, revealed that she was pregnant with what we know as to be Rhaegar Targaryen's child. This crazy-ass war was ending. Rhaegar's dead. His, uh, the woman he apparently fell in love with, Ned's younger sister, is betrothed to Robert, who began the rebellion when she was uh, kidnapped so to say. And now apparently, you know, this little baby that she just had is one of the only Targaryens left in the world. And uh, when you're Robert Baratheon and you're starting anew, you don't want any of them around anymore. And he says so many, many times in the books and in the show. Well, throughout the first season and in the first book. Um, Because like Ned, we do not get Robert past book one. We get flashes of beautiful Ned when he's younger, uh, when we get some brand stuff. But um, yeah, in that moment, uh, Ned realized that there was a bigger plan, that this baby needed the ultimate protection. He was going to need this like bad Mardigan character, this Willow-esque protector, um, you know, to make sure this baby just stays alive. That's all. Just stays alive. I don't think there's any plots to make him king or anything, but like there's multiple people working up in the north at the Night's Watch beyond the wall with the king beyond the wall. All of these things. There's this whole like outer circle of people that are here for John that I think know about John. Um, But, you know, what's important is when you first read this book or when you watch the show, Um, you only, you only think that Ned knows. You don't really like, I didn't, um, really think any farther into it. It was always like, does R plus L equal J? And it's like, that seems pretty like obvious. And, um, you know, Ned was like stuck with this sort of awful, uh, burdensome secret to carry around, um, forever until his death. And, uh, you know, that that was a lot when you just think that like you're the only person harboring the secret or that we think that he's the only one that has this like weight on his shoulders um it really makes you empathize with him and it puts him you know deeper into your heart so that way when things end towards the first book towards the first season and we get that uh what the fuck moment at the end there um it hurts even more because we are on, we are on the journey with Ned. Like we get the Night's Watch, uh, White Walker scene in the book and just like in the, the show. And then we get Bran, we get Bran 
watching his dad be freaking Lord of Winterfell, being a badass, you know, whoever passes the sentence passes the sword. And so Bran's watching his dad just like be this boss, right? And we don't get Ned until the third chapter. I think we get Bran, Catelyn, and Ned, okay? Interesting that Catelyn's number two. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about Lady Stoneheart. I want to talk about Ned. Um, but I do want to talk about Lady Stoneheart eventually because she's a cool zombie version of Catelyn. And if we like to talk about spook spook stuff on this podcast, then she's going to come up at some point. But back to Ned um, and back to baby John. When he leaves this Tower of Joy and he goes back up to Winterfell, he has already had a uh, he's already had his wedding with Catelyn down in River Run. He's already spent the night with her, whether this was the first woman he's laid with, whether he's done it before. It's sort of moot point at this, at this, in this area right now, because all that matters is when he goes back to Winterfell, Catelyn's waiting for him with baby Rob, and he shows up with a wet nurse and a curly haired, beautiful, black curly haired little baby. And Catelyn's just like, what have you been doing? on the road. And Ned's just like, this is my son. No explanation, no names, nothing. Um, there's whispers of this, uh, Ashara Dane, um, mystery woman who pops up all throughout the freaking books. Um, and I feel like he sort of plays on this rumor a little bit to sort of like give people something to talk about rather than trying to come up with this like conspiracy theory, deep dive into like, Oh, what if Lord Eddard is actually taking care of a kid that's not his? Like, nobody's thinking that. Nobody, especially in Winterfell, is thinking, what if this kid isn't Lord Eddard's? Nope. They're just like, who did he knock up? That's all we need to know. And he's he's just nothing. He's going to give nothing. And so, you know, I think not only between Catelyn um, and him, this does kind of like put a wedge I think just in his sort of like kingdom a little bit like he's beloved like the people of Winterfell they love him um and they love John uh I just think you know like everybody we they just wish they knew you know the source the source of the baby which you know I guess is just a human thing to just wonder like where did this baby come from um yeah, so it's it is when we get into the Catlin chapters, man, it really does um it kind of eats it definitely eats at her throughout the years and she never she never learns to love this child. Um that's his uh I think in the show, I can't remember, I don't think it's in the book. I think it was just in the show. She talks about praying one night, um praying that John would live through this little sickness he had as a, as a baby. But, you know, other than that, Catelyn, um, just was a fucking, her worst, her worst, her worst, um, behavior and her worst actions are around and towards John. And I feel like Ed could have been a little more, um, protective with John about that. And, and he was, but he, he could have put her in her place a few more times. And I don't think he did because, he had this guilty conscious of like cheating on a woman that as far as we know, he never really cheated on. So it's just a lot. Um, but put that aside, um, they really do have this wonderful relationship and he's very protective. And when he's, uh, basically summoned to become a hand of the King to Robert and he has to leave Catelyn and his sons 
behind to go down there with his daughters. Uh, Bran was supposed to come, but then he got pushed out of a fucking tower by Jamie. So, ah, if you want to get into Jamie, talked about him in the first villains episode. Uh, so there you go. Um, but yeah, Bran was going to go with him. The girls, Bran fell. <laughs> I mean, Bran got pushed and, uh, stayed back at Winterfell. So at some point we get the whole dagger situation. Catelyn has to defend, uh, Bran's, you know, limp body from this cat's paw, whatever. We find out that the dagger belonged to Littlefinger, but did it belong to Tyrion? Who knows? What the F? Doesn't matter. Catelyn's like, I need to go to King's Landing and I need to tell Ned immediately. Like, ASAP. And so she makes her way down south. And while this is happening, uh, Ned has already had to deal with like some bullshit on the road. He's had to deal with uh, fucking Arya's dog attacking Joffrey, which like it didn't. It was just protecting them. And and uh, she let the dog go. So the only dog that was left was, uh, you know, Sansa's dire wolf lady, her beautiful her beautiful fucking dire wolf and Cersei was like, well, we'll just kill that one instead. And I will, uh, I'll take the pelt, please. I'd love a beautiful dire wolf jacket to drape, drape around these shoulders and let this blonde curly hair just fall about it. And Ed is like, not in your wildest dreams, bitch. Okay. I will kill that dog myself and send the bones back to Winterfell. You're never touching this thing. Okay. So he does that, which you're like, damn, like that's some dad energy right there. So he gets his ass to King's Landing at some point, has to deal with this bullshit tournament he wants nothing to do with because Northern men don't really give a shit about tourneys. It's just, it's not in their blood. It's not part of their like entertainment package they didn't order it so cox cable go ahead and cancel it because we don't need it um but what's interesting about him is when he finds out that Arya is uh you know using needle the sword of hers from john um to like practice and learn how to be a little badass like she is he gets her a pretty kick-ass um a pretty kick-ass uh whoa, what do you call it fencing master teacher swordsmith swordsman swords professional the professional of the sword so serial pharrell comes but is he really serial is it like somebody else i think he might be somebody else um he's like such a cool fucking dad like hero boss move here he's like okay you want to learn how to sword fight i'll get you like the best teacher like sansa you want to be a queen cool you can marry my best friend's kid because he's the heir to the throne. Like, pfft, hello. And then when things go to shit and Sansa's like, but daddy, I, you told me I could be queen and I could marry Joffrey and I want to marry Joffrey. And then Ned's like, dude, no, like we got to go because fucking Catelyn finally shows up at Littlefinger's whorehouse and Littlefinger's like, hmm, <laughs> Lord Eddard Stark, your wife is at my whorehouse. And then he's like, play no games with me, fool. And he's like, take me to my wife. And uh, him and Catelyn get their last moment together and it's so beautiful. And uh, that's it. That's all we get of those two. And then Catelyn's gone. She kidnaps Tyrion, goes to the Vale where her sister's like titty fucking milking her child it's a lot there's moon doors it's le there's no lemon cakes and um ned is just in king's landing 
And after Tyrion gets kidnapped or taken by Catelyn, Ned is roaming the streets one day, just getting in his research. He's just doing a little genealogy report on all of Robert's kids, making sure that all the bastards look like him, and just finding out along the way that the blonde-haired, green-eyed children that Cersei birthed for him were not actually his children at all, that most likely they were a byproduct of twin incest between her and sweet Jamie. Yum. Just lovely. So thank you to our Jar Martin for that plot twist. The seed is strong. And um, yeah, what do we have now? So Ned's just like chilling. He's back at like the brothel. He's trying to like, yeah, he's like checking out another bastard that I think it's like killed in its mom's arms, which again, thank you, George R. R. Martin. I'm going to thank you a few more times here in a non, uh, well, in a totally sarcastic manner because Jamie shows up. He's like, bro, your wife took my brother. And he's like, I told her to, bitch. And Jamie's like, well, that's not cool because that's my brother. And nobody makes fun of my brother except for me because I'm his brother. And Jamie, and then Ned is like, well, I've got my Northmen here, bro. If you want to fucking throw down, we can do it. And then Jamie's like, I will stab you through the leg. And he does. He stabbed Ned right through the leg, killed fucking the people he was with, his Northmen, Jory Castle's gone. And um, next thing we know, freaking Robert's like, I got wine, I'm hunting, boy. And Ned's like, oh, see you later, Robert. I guess you're going to go hunting and die. And he does. He does. And Ned... This is why Ned is dead. I'm going to explain this real quick, okay? This beautiful hero, this point, now his brain's in overdrive, right? He's like, I got to get the girls out. I got to get out. Like, this is Jordan Peele shit, like, level. Like, get out before Cersei fucking brings it down. And she's bringing it down because Ned, dead Ned, let slip to her. Oh, hey, girl. He let the mean girl. He let the ultimate plastic know that he knew her deepest darkest secret like the secret that will bring her down the secret that will break her the secret that will destroy the Lannister legacy she'd be put to death and so because he's such a nice guy because he's so fucking honorable he's like uh, I know those kids aren't yours and that you've been fucking your brother this whole time because Robert has bastards all over the place, sweetheart. Like, all over. He made the eight and then he made it again and then again. So, yeah, they don't look like him. Like, your kids just don't look like him. Like, they just look so much like your twin that looks just like you and your kids just look just like you and they look like Jamie and they look like you. So, You've got some explaining to do. He pulls a Matthew Perry from Fool's Rush in. He's like, you've got some explaining to do. And uh, I know that's from Lucille Ball. I know that's from I Love Lucy, but it's actually from Fool's Rush in. Um, So she does. She has a lot of explaining to do. And so she fucking tells them point blank. Um, <laughs> in the Game of Thrones, when you play the Game of Thrones, you, you know, you're going to die or you're going to live, but most likely, like, if you play wrong, you're going to die. And so she's just like, ha 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 ha. Thank you for this extra time. Thank you for all this extra planning. I've got my whole 
like goal book, my calendar set. I've got all my days, my times, my workout routines. Thank you, Ned, for this great, like this gracious information you just bestowed upon me. Like you just fucking try to blackmail the blackmailer. (sighs) And Robert dies. Ned makes a decision to not, well, okay. You know, this is the thing. He's like, He just needs to save the girls, right? Rob is getting ready to, like, march down, you know, just, like, Tyrion is with Catelyn. We don't know, like, are they, like, with the fucking, are they in the Eerie yet? You know, like, John's beyond the wall. Just there's so much going on. And then Ned is just like, I think it's the only time, sorry, I'm in a bit of a swirl. And I, I think as I'm channeling, like, I just reread the chapter where he's down in the black cells and, um, oh my God, what's his name? Oh my God. Why am I brain farting? You guys, the powder puff fucking Varys, jeez Louise, creepy spider Varys comes down and is talking with him and is like, if you want to sign your daughter, like, you know, help your daughter's just do what Cersei's telling you to do. Like, tell this lie, take the black, it'll be fine. It's fine. It's cool. We haven't seen Arya in a few days, but it's fine. It's fine. We don't know where she's at. Sansa's about to get beat by the fucking Kingstar, but it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it, Ed. It's fine. You're not going to die. We're going to send you to the wall. Okay? You got it? You got it? Did you write it down? Did you write it all down? Okay. Because that's the plan. So, he has like these fever dreams. Again, he's just spiraling his leg is like festering away he has pretty much played the game the best he could this whole time this one big lie and then as soon as he kind of goes to tell this last one in front of a oh my god what is it are they in front of Baylor Sept yeah I think so so they're in front of the church whatever they're in front of all the people and it's like you know he he does his last thing. He's, he basically says that he lied and, uh, you know, in order to save the girls and take the black and hopefully move on from this fucking catastrophe of a mess. But no, Joffrey's like, hey, hold my Costco size pack of beer, mom, because I want his head. And Sir Ilan Payne comes up to Ned Ned says a little fucking prayer. That's what Sean Bean said. And I'm, if you don't think I'm going to not talk about Sean Bean, come on, get out of here. We're going to talk about him in just a minute. But Sean Bean said that like, that's was, that's what he did was like, just sort of whisper a little prayer before that, you know, the sword comes down. And that was graphic as fuck. That was the ultimate beat drop. It was like, uh, in the air tonight, when Phil Collins doesn't drop the beat to like, uh, I don't know, the song's almost over, you get the boom, 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 and you feel it in the air tonight. The crowd is cheering and they're awful and they're disgusting. It's like MAGA fucking 2020 is watching fucking a libtard fucking get their heads chopped off. And it's bad. It's so bad. And Ned goes down, his head's down, his body's down, Sansa's screaming. Arya immediately gets like, taken away by like the night's watch guy who's like friends with ned by the way like ned has so many friends that's why he's so cool like he has 
all of these fucking friends. Like, all of the friends are friends with Ned. Because he was a fucking good guy. And he'll fucking sacrifice shit for you if it's fucking for the right cause, right? He tried to keep Daenerys alive against Robert trying to send people after her. He kept John alive until the fifth book. We don't know if he's going to come back or not. Hopefully he will. But, like, he was a great dad. He loved his children. His children loved him. They were proud of him. They were they were prideful of this man. Catelyn loved him. It didn't matter. Like, the John stuff, like, it just... Uh, oh, no. Oh, no, you guys. <sighs> My heart. <sighs> he just is a very special character. I just, uh, but the thing about Ned is I felt bonded to him. I just, like, just the way he handles things. He wasn't stoic to a point of iciness. He, when he was mad, he could be pretty icy. Um, but for the most part, he had, like, this warm, you know, um, just, like, hot spring flowing through his, it, through his body. And he was just, he was, um, he was a hero because he really understood the price of sacrifice. He understood that certain lies um, were going to lead to certain consequences. And um, if the end game uh, is the end game, then it will all be worth it and you can work around it. And I really like that in a hero. Um, yeah, he's just badass. The first the first time we see him is, and like I said, in Brand's chapter, we're getting we're getting this vision of him through the eyes of his, I think, uh, eight-year-old son, you know, seeing him do this boss thing, this hard, difficult thing, um, right off the bat is really cool. And that is the, that's the filter we get of Ned as we go along. And I think that's why the Starks are so important to us throughout, um, the series, throughout the show. We just want this wolf pack to survive because their alpha was cut away from them so uh, abruptly, so out of nowhere. I mean, it was, it was thin ice. They were, they were on the fucking lake of thin ice, creaking and cracking their way to just, hopefully, maybe we can get Ned out of the cells. Hopefully, we can get the girls back. Hopefully, Kat can figure out the shit with Tyrion. Um, but it just, once you reread it and you rewatch it, it's just too many cracks. The ice is too thin. It was all going to go underwater, and it did. And what's cool about George R.R. R. Martin is that, like, we didn't end the book with Ned dying. Um, we, we got this atrocious, sad, uh, moment that just put this like void inside of you for a minute. You're just sort of like, well, <laughs> what now? This sucks. Like Ned is dead. And you know, he's like, how about some dragons, you guys? And we get Daenerys giving birth to three dragons after she goes through some horrible shit. I'll talk about Daenerys in a Heroes episode at some point as well. Um, but fuck, man. That's that's Ned. Um, there are so many theories about him. About him still being alive. Um, right now, um, my god, the... Uh, the Bend the Knee guys are in like all these different deep dives about Howland Reed and just like the people that hung out with Ned and uh there's just a lot to get into so if you guys want more go over there um it's just yeah so many rabbit holes the diving board is 
is at its highest. Greg Louganis couldn't couldn't make this dive. Um, but yeah, what's up? What else is cool about Ned? Um, just like yeah, Sean Bean. We get fucking Boromir playing him, right? Like one does not simply just play Ned Stark, okay? Uh, hmm. He took it on so great. It's so great to go from like the highest fantasy movie of all time to go into the highest fantasy fucking show of all time and to still have two crystal cut, uh, two crystal cut clear characters that are so different from each other. Like Boromir and fucking Ned Stark are so different. It's crazy. Um, and he plays them so beautifully. And so, you know, thank you, Sean Beam. Um, thank you, George R. R. Martin. You write the most complex characters. And for a character, you guys, who died in book one, and we still talk about him like he's still hanging around. Fuck it. Maybe he is alive. I don't know. He's still alive to me. We get all these great flashes uh, in the show of younger Ned, whoever that actor is that played the young Ned at the Tower of Joy in like the later seasons, looks just like him. Super cool. Um, and my biggest hope for the series, if they get finished, is uh, to see more of Ned through uh, Bran and the, the weirwood trees and that whole um, mystical element. You know, Bran's able to kind of jump back and forth in time at this point. Well, I think more back in time than forward. Um, so we get a couple Ned flashes and, um, of him praying in front of the tree, <laughs> in front of his, in his God's wood. And it's beautiful and it's really touching. And, um, you know, he is, he's a hero, not a, not only in the eyes of his children, but in the eyes of his wife, in the eyes of the people of Winterfell, um, you know, even people in King's Landing were taking notes. They were like, who the fuck is this like? cool guy who's like tells the truth mostly and is really handsome and like what's another word for honorable he's esteemable um he's just fantastic and so he to me when I was getting ready to put the list together for the first few heroes to go through it was like oh let's talk about Song of Ice and Fire oh Ned Stark boom done first one so um maybe the next hero will be Daenerys um the next villain from Game of Thrones I want to do is Littlefinger and Cersei at some point but um I've done Jamie. if you want to go back and check out that um he's either in the first or second villains episode and I talk about how our filter of Jamie is through the eyes of Ned when Ned goes into the fucking throne room of King's Landing after the sack of King's Landing when Robert's Rebellion has has won the fight it's going to be a baratheon fucking seven kingdoms not a Tar targaryen dynasty anymore um he walked into that throne room and jamie lannister was sitting on the fucking iron throne and boy like tension density peak mode i'm just gonna leave it there so if you want to get into the spicy villain anti-hero that Jamie uh Jamie Stark Jamie Lannister is go back listen to that episode um but this is where I'm gonna leave it with Ned if you guys have any thoughts um you know let me know but yeah just uh George R. R. Martin man 
in terms of a of a straight white male character Ned Stark is complex he is not basic he's anything but he's not a dud he's got a personality he laughs sometimes and uh you know what he is very fucking Wyatt Earp-esque I just that just popped in my head he's kind of like an oak and he has a fucking Doc Holliday-esque best friend, sort of like Robert Baratheon, to sort of like nudge him along a little bit. You know what I mean? To kind of like, you know, poke that little, that little, that northern bear a little bit. And I like it. I like it a lot. So, yeah. Good heroes. Wyatt Earp would be good to, the Wyatt Earp would be good to do too. But he's a real hero. And I'm only here to talk about fake people because if I talk about real people, I might mess something up and I don't want to. Um, so yeah, so we've got the Tombstone episode, check it out. We've got the Villains episode with Jamie, and this is a wrap on Lord Eddard Stark. I probably missed something, but it doesn't matter. He is a hero. He's not an anti-hero to me. He's just your, your stoic, honorable, good-natured, mostly level-headed, uh, but deeply, deeply emotionally complex hero. Chef's kiss.